2: Welcome to Psych Up Live. I'm Suzanne Phillips, and on this show, we'll be turning up the psychological perspective on many life issues. As the former host of Psych Up on Casozo Radio, I joined with some terrific guests to host 73 shows. This show's a little different because this show includes you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in. You can call in with a question or a comment at one 866 You know, it's holiday time, and with the holidays come joy, family, shopping, gift-giving, all kinds of cooking and decorating, but also included are expectations, stress, and often depression. Now, why do so many people struggle at this time of year? Here to turn up our professional and personal perspective on depression and stress during the holidays are three guest experts. Dr. Debbie Surani is a psychologist and the author of two award-winning books, Living with Depression and Depression and Your Child. She is a go-to expert on psychological issues. You may have heard her interviews on CNN, Newsday, the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, Scientific America, as well as affiliate radio stations at CBS and NPR. She practices in Suffolk County in New York. Dr. Hanley is a licensed clinical psychologist in Michigan. With postdoctoral training in psychoanalytic theory, Dr. Hanley works with adults, adolescents, children, and relationships with couples. He specializes in depression, anxieties, and uh, other relationship issues. He's adjunct instructor at the University of Detroit Mercy and has published in the areas of self-actualization, psychoanalytic theory, and psychotherapy. Our third guest is Christopher Scott Downing. He is the author of a terrific book, Van Gogh and Peppers, A Self-Portrait of Male Depression. Chris has helped men, and that's his goal, to begin their own conversations about their mental health concerns. Dr. Serrani, Dr. Hanley, Christopher Downing, welcome to Psych Up Live.
3: Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks for nice inviting me. So happy to be here with all of you.
2: Okay. Well, I think we have a great team here. Deb, why don't you start us off? From your experience, and you've written books about depression, what fuels depression during the holiday time? Well, it's interesting.
3: I think the first distinction we need to make is to understand the difference between holiday depression and clinical depression around the holiday times, because they're two very, very different things. Um, holiday depression starts just after Halloween. Um, and and kind of worsens as Thanksgiving heads down to the calendar, and and when by Christmas time you're you're kind of overwhelmed and stressed, and maybe even a little blue from the high octane um, rush that <laughs> right. the, the season brings. But holiday depression generally lifts once the first of the year comes. So that's holiday depression in in a, in a short kind of. Um, Uh, description. But clinical depression is something very different and it can worsen during the holiday season for some. Um, And it's a very different neurobiological experience uh, and I'd I'd love to talk more about it with you during this segment.
2: Um, Well, Deb, so that you answered, I think, a question that I've been thinking about and that is, are we sort of saying that Feeling the blues during the holiday time or feeling overloaded and then feeling depressed about it, that's more of a reaction to the demands of the season. But if I'm someone who's predisposed to depression and I've had my rounds of it, then would, would holiday stress possibly tip me back into another depressive episode?
3: yes very much so that's why i think it's so important for for listeners to understand the difference between just the general stress of the holiday time and what might be a trigger for the worsening of a mood disorder if you have a predisposition for it. Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I caution many of the people that I work with around this time of year to make sure they take extra good care of themselves because they are predisposed to to a worsening of their depressive symptoms.
2: You know, one thing that I read about in in a recent um, survey by Greenberg, Quinlan, and Rosner it was a telephone survey of uh, about 700 people or so. And they asked them what was the the most prevalent negative feeling during the holidays. And I think it's interesting that what topped the list was fatigue, immediately followed by stress. And fatigue does play a part in stress and depression, doesn't it, Deb? It does. And what we
3: know about stress is that um the the confines neurobiologically of stress involve a lot of cortisol and adrenaline which can cause muscle fatigue um, and feelings of irritability and and great levels of um, just feeling overwhelmed and overloaded and mood disorders can worsen with stress induced response so cortisol and the high octane experience of the holiday season can kind of kick depression into um, another relapse. So it is kind of like a slippery slope for a lot of people, those who mm. just struggle with the holiday season and those who struggle with, you know, just maintaining a level of, of well-being with their depressive disorder.
2: One of the things that people talk to me about, and I don't, it didn't really quite click for me till I really started thinking about it, is when you picture the holiday time and the demands, etc., and I think one of the things this, this survey said was, the biggest complaint was about not enough time. But when you think about it, very often at this very stressful time, people stop doing the stress-regulating strategies that they usually use. They might have a house full of people so they don't get private time. They don't Mm. go to the gym because how can you leave uh, grandma and grandpa? Um, They're shopping instead of exercising. Mm. They may be eating more sugar or drinking more alcohol. So it sort of can be a real... You know, perfect storm for many.
3: I I agree, and I think when we add to the um, hustle and bustle of just everyday life in general, and then adding the pressures of, you know, d- do I have to commercially buy all these gifts, or what are my psychological expectations? I, I hope nobody fights at the table, or you know, <laughs> right, um, you know, right. I hope Grandma and Uncle Lou get along. Um I, I think that it does create a perfect storm for 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 trouble for a lot of individuals. It's not just uh, those who might be struggling with mood disorder. I think the holiday times are very stressful for many.
2: It's interesting because one person said to me this week, she said, I realized on Thanksgiving what it is that bothers me so much about the holidays.' I am so dreading them because I'm anxious about how I'm going to be when I get to the actual family gathering. Mm -hmm. Who will talk to me? Will I say the right thing? Will the family be judging me? So there's also a lot of anticipatory anxiety, I imagine, for so many of us.
3: Yeah. um, I, I know that when I was doing my research on looking at holiday depression, One of the single biggest causes of depression was the notion of unrealistic expectations, hoping that everything will be perfect, that the kids are going to love their gifts, that everyone's going to be happy, that there's not going to be any triggers to cause any conflict. And, you know, once you start to lower your expectations Mm -hmm. or to to kind of aim for more realistic goals, you can kind of surf through the, the, the difficult, turbulent waters of the holidays better.
2: Yeah, I think so. Now, you work a great deal. You're an expert with children. Um, Debbie, are some children depressed during the holiday times? Do you find an increase in that at all? Um, I I would say that a lot of parents say to me that they may
3: not see their children depressed, but perhaps a little bit more irritable and agitated. Depression Mm -hmm. in children presents very differently than it does in adults. So, you know, whereas adults we may be more in touch with our feelings of sadness and hopelessness, children don't always have um, that, that verbal ability to describe their feelings that way. But, yes, um, you know, many people come into the holiday season um, feeling very stressed and, and very um, overloaded by a lot of the demands. So children, whether they have school tasks or they, they miss their parents or the family calmness that was there before the holiday season started, they, they, it can cause them to feel a little bit more um, irritated or agitated. So to answer your question, yeah, I do see that.
2: Um, it's reminding me of one holiday where someone brought these little little um, six-year-old twin boys. And, um, of course, the adults were talking. They were eating every bit of chocolate in every candy dish. And after a while, they were climbing on the ceiling. Um, <laughs> and so I think even that's a piece you can overlook is the amount of sugar as well as fatigue the children are trying to negotiate in terms of how they're regulating the situation. Yeah, I tell many of
3: my patients uh, who struggle with mood disorders around the holiday time that they have to really stick to their treatment plan, eat well, sleep well, make sure you get your alone time, and and be okay and give yourself permission to say no because the holiday times just, um, you know, there's so many demands that can kind of pull and tug at you. And if you live with any chronic illness, not necessarily depression, but any chronic illness, you really need to put yourself first and make sure you have the self-care skills uh, at the top of your your own list.
2: Mm, so well said. Now, what about differences with men and women? Steve, I know you work a lot with couples and a lot with depression. Do you see a difference in the stress level between men and women during the holiday times?
4: <clears throat> I, I think it's it's accurate, and I've noticed this pattern Pretty consistently that the stress and anxiety and depression sort of ramps up that week before Thanksgiving, I can feel it in my patients and mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a specific difference in the amount between men and women um, and I, but I think men in general um, I've heard it described as sort of depression without sadness. Mm. Um, I think often men are more likely to feel angry and irritable than mm. women versus tearful or sad. Although, just to be clear, there's quite a range here, and it's not a a clear-cut distinction. Um, Mm. Men can cope differently, or they do cope differently, sometimes uh, acting much more recklessly than women, drinking, you know, fighting, Mm. gambling and whatnot, Um, and we know that drug and alcohol abuse is, is much higher in depressed men. And I think especially during the holidays, where for many, you know, parties and events, um, that's uh, That's more available. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's been my experience that men also uh, tend to report more physical symptoms that I think mm-hmm. that sometimes mask uh, depression, back aches, joint aches, you know irritable bowel, headaches, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, I think men are are not as quick to seek some help for it, whether that's a therapist or a friend. Um, um, and tend to try to figure it out on their own. and I think sometimes that leads to problems.
2: I I, th- I I thinking about the couples that I've worked with, I think it really does ring true that whatever clashes happen between the couple, it often, the man may not be saying I'm overloaded, but may be more irritable. Um, I, I know one, one study suggested that people really do, Everybody uniformly feels they don't have enough time, and when you add the the fact that so many people we ha- are working men and women, you just condense the time they even have for holiday um, chores and holiday opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. One study, though, said that when they asked men and women, uh, "Who does the most?" Women said, "Of course, they did the most," and men said, uh, "We we do the same amount," and men mm-hmm. say that if, men say that of chores also, but I don't know about that. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing in terms of perspective and perception. Um, another thing, and I wondered what you thought about this. Another study suggested that um, probably the most the most worried about issue is time, but the next is money, and that women worry more about it than men. What do you think, Steve? What would um, you, what
5: have you?
4: Were you talking to me, Suzanne?
2: I was talking to Steve, but I welcome oh, okay. you, Chris.
4: Go oh, ahead, Chris. I think yeah. though the money issue uh, again, it's it's fairly equal, at least in my practice. Um, uh, it's gotten better as the economy's improved, at least you know certainly here in Michigan over the last several mm-hmm. years. But um, uh, presents to buy, you know, dinners to host, um, and it's not only just the 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 literal aspect of do we have enough money, but do couples agree on how that money is being spent or what the priorities are? And that causes a lot of uh, tension and and arguments.
2: Yes, yeah. I think the one thing I would observe, and um, any of you can weigh in, is I I think most people get tremendous joy out of no matter what holiday they're celebrating, buying for their children. Um, And those folks who are a little bit strapped from money, that is attention. They want the children to be happy and they want to be able to get it. If they get too roped into that it's got to be the perfect toy or this many toys, I'm not sure anybody anybody benefits, but I think couples might clash somewhat on that sometimes. I don't know if you found that to be true and what they could do about it.
4: Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's, that's what I see quite a bit.
2: Mm. I think that I've often said to to couples, put yourself in your children's shoes and write down what would be your first choice and then compare, you know, and if you both came up with a similar choice, great. And if not, how can you somehow come up with a way, you know, to feel good about what you're giving the child? And maybe it's going to be one gift that's very big for Christmas and then maybe something for a birthday, but I think if the parents are in conflict about the gift, it's it somewhat undercuts the gift and the rece- receiving of it for the children. Now, I wondered, and um, Christopher, now you as a man who wrote a memoir on depression with men, um, what would you say? Do you think that from just your personal Experience with depression, and you were dating. I think at the time you wrote the book. You're married now. At little ones, um, was your observation that men seem more depressed than women, or what would you say, Chris? Uh,
5: well, during the holidays, I, I think um, you know every every family's different. I think uh, Steve brought that up. That's important to note that every every situation's different. Um, you know, in every couple, uh, you know, in one couple the man will be watching the the wallet, and another couple the the wife will be watching the wallet. You know, mm-hmm. more so whoever's Whoever's got their eye on the bank account might tend to be a little bit more stressed out about the holidays. Um, you know, if there's a, pre, a predisposition to, to, to drinking, I think that's, that's huge. Um, you know, in the holidays, we, we all get a green light to uh, drink more um, alcohol, drink more caffeine. Um, I, think, I think Starbucks, you know, stock probably goes through the roof during the holidays. I think we're all,
4: <laughs> right.
5: we're all drinking things that uh, tend to cause um, spikes in, in adrenaline and cortisol, you know, so it's, I think... Um, you know, everyone's different. Uh, it, it is tough to say whether, you know, from my perspective, whether uh, men suffer or women suffer more. Mm-hmm. But uh, for those who are predisposed, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for the spiral um, to begin for sure.
2: Mm. You know, we we have a um, a broad base of listeners here. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about the difference in holiday stress for, let's say, the college age group as opposed to folks who are already involved with families. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. Today, we're speaking about dealing with stress and depression during the holidays with Doctors Deb Serrani, Steve Hanley, and Christopher Scott Downing. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
5: You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out.
1: Tune in to the Hospitality News Network for a look inside the travel, hotel, restaurant, and hospitality industry. Host Stephen Nicole and his guests will teach you everything you've wanted to know about this fascinating industry. Who knows? You might just want to change your own career path. At the very least, you might end up being a preferred customer. The Hospitality News Network is broadcast live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites.
3: That's Voice America TRN.
1: You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live.
2: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with psychologist Deb Serrani. Steve Hanley, and author Christopher Scott Downey were talking about depression and stress. And we were talking about the differences between men and women and they're not so specific. Um, Sometimes we report women experience a little bit more, but generally both men and women are talking about being stressed about time, money, at the same time finding this to be a time of happiness and sharing quite a bit of love. Now that brings me to an interesting study that suggested that the college age group is not stressed. In fact, their tests are over, their semesters are over, so they come home to party. And if you've had college kids, it was always with some dread, actually, that (laughs) I waited for them to come home because I knew what was going to go on in terms of endless partying. And I think it goes with that age and it goes with that sense of freedom. On the other hand, over the years, I've often worked with folks who are single or um, who Um, live alone. And sometimes they do struggle during this time of year with they may not be so close to family uh, with loneliness. And I wondered, have any of you experienced that in terms of people you know or your own professional work?
3: Uh, I know there's three of us here. Um, Go ahead, Deb. I, 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 I work with many, many single older and young adults And we are already in the midst of um, just having a really hard time. Um, So many of them will say that, you know, they feel like a third wheel, um, you know, or they feel, you know, they'd rather just go out to dinner and a movie at Thanksgiving than to feel like, you know, the lone person out that that can't be invited somewhere. So in my practice, I see quite a lot of, of individuals who struggle with loneliness. In fact, I'd say this is the loneliest time of the year. Mm. Um, many of them, I, I need to encourage them to decorate the house, even if it's just minimally, um, because it, 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 it to, to not do it seems to um, really worsen their, their feeling of, of being so alone or isolated. So um, I, I tend to find this to be a, a really tough time for many of my single patients.
2: Yeah. they Sometimes people describe, Debbie, based on what you're saying, a feeling of on the outside looking in.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I had one person say, you know, the scenes in the, the Christmas movies that the window's foggy and you're seeing the families, you know, all around the Christmas tree, you know, that's me. Um, and, um, you know, it's very hard when you're even single and alone and lonely, but also have a predisposition to depression. It can really um, cause such a terrible relapse of symptoms and it can be a very critical time for those individuals.
2: Mm, a difficult time. Mm. Uh, Steve is this something you also oh,
4: Go ahead. Yeah, and I was thinking about your the college uh kids example and um I've worked with a lot of college aged, you know, young adults and you know, like you said, the end of the semester there's a certain sense of relief. Um, and some may feel a little lighter. Uh, but I think a lot depends on what kind of environment they're coming home to. Mm. A lot of this is a sort of a homecoming for, uh, you know, meeting with old high school friends or high school enemies that you're going to see at, right. you know, out at the bar or something. Um, and sometimes that uh, sort of ramps up the anxiety, or there's ex-girlfriends or boyfriends, and there's more. Again, the drinking issue comes up, and... Um, uh, whatever family conflict, so it's it can go either way. And um, like I said, I've I've seen I've seen it go both ways.
2: Hmm. Really interesting. Now, Chris, when you wrote the book, you were single and working in retail, um, mm-hmm. and and now you are married with little ones. Would you say the stress was worse then or now? Would you say the being single was was a factor in the depression? Did I, you I think ex- one of the you
5: know, one of the the worst things uh, a person can do is, is have too much time on their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're when you're single and you're alone, um, it's a lot easier to you know close that apartment door and uh, and just sit on the and, you know sit on the couch and and get into your own head. I, I always found that getting into your own head was probably the worst thing you can possibly do, even though you think you're. You're uh, you're self analyzing and trying to figure things out, but in the end, um, you know you're allowing your brain to shut down a little bit um, mm. instead of getting out and and you know once you once you once you reach kind of a uh, once your brain becomes depressed, you know then you're toast. I think, um, but you know if you're trying to be preemptive about um, what you can do to prevent uh, prevent it um, from happening, um, you know locking yourself in the, in the house and being alone is the toughest thing. So I, I found that. Um, I'm you know, very blessed to have a family now. Um, it keeps me um, a little bit more busy and I have other things to worry about than um, what's going on in my own head.
2: You know, someone, someone once said to me, um, it was in a hair salon, The person was a, one of the operators said, um, going into your head is like going into a dangerous neighborhood, never go there alone. So <laughs> uh, it sure. really confirms what you say, Chris. But you also said something else, and Debbie and, and, and Steve sort of hinted it, preempting, the slide down. And if you know, let's say you are single and you are starting to dread the aloneness and way ahead in the summer, you make the plan to do be part of a giving tree in a parish or be a volunteer somewhere for uh, Christmas Eve or during the Hanukkah season Um If in some way you've already made a commitment to be with people in a giving way, very often you absorb the spirit. You know, some people will say, I can't, I don't feel it, so I can't do it. And, you know, what we're always saying to people now is... um, Step into it and you'll start to get the feeling. Once you realize who's coming to some of those soup kitchens, once you realize what it's like to shop for a family in need for a giving tree, all of a sudden you're into Christmas or you're into the holiday time. And so I I like what you said about preempting it because... Even as, Steve, you're so right about the young people coming home, one big piece that I personally would find is kids would come home, but the folks had moved. So they now lived in a condo, and they weren't living in our town anymore. So they would want to come back to the town. The loss was holidays the way they used to be. And so... You're so right. The kids are not almost prepared for that. So how does a family help kids, you know, bridge a new setting, a different home, different folks around the table? I think this whole idea of preparation might be an important one.
3: I agree, Suzanne, and and I often tell people I work with, and and I try to practice this myself, to create new traditions. Mm. Um, And, you know, when you're somebody that lives with a mood disorder or, again, any chronic illness, being prepared and planning and using your calendar in positive ways can, can help you fight the illness and the possibility of relapse. You don't necessarily have to get in the Christmas spirit. You know, if you're not feeling it, it's okay. But if, you know, you've planned a trip or you're going to be part of a community event, it will reduce the isolation and more likely help to reduce some of the symptoms of depression even if you're not, you know, joining in this, in, you know, the singing of the carols or or the Mm -hmm. lighting of the menorah and you feel it in your heart. It's really about making sure that you can kind of inoculate yourself to get through what can be a very difficult, lonely, and challenging time.
2: Yeah, I love the idea of people having permission to do it differently. Um, So many folks are reminded of those they love who they lost, because holidays are like mile markers, and we immediately flash into what was and who is and who isn't here. And so the having the freedom. Some people set a place at the table for a loved one who's lost and are going to laugh and talk about it. And some people, as you say, Debbie, they have to go to the islands. They don't even want to do anything about the old way Christmas was done. And if that works for them, it's wonderful that people can prepare to do what works best for them and their family.
3: I agree. And and I, I think it might be a, a, an important um, fact, to just remind listeners that though this is a difficult time for people who have depression, um, it isn't the um, high time for suicide. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't check in on people that you know, family, friends, or loved ones if they are depressed. But it is important to know that this can begin the downward spiral, the loneliness, the, the um the the relapse of mood and and disordered thinking um, because the spring is when the suicide rates become highest but research tracks that it's often this holiday time that kind of sets that decline into motion mm-hmm.
4: you know, that's where
2: De- go ahead
4: on Deb's point it's important to to know that uh, men are much more likely uh, to, to Commit a successful suicide than, than women. And um, even though this isn't the high time, you do want to be sort of vigilant if you're prone to that or if you've had uh, suicidality in the past. Um, it's just something you want to pay attention to.
2: Mm. I think that's where connection, whether it's to other folks who've decided to, you know, a boycott the holidays. Or its connection to folks who are going to be involved with pets or connection to something that's meaningful is often an antidote to just some of that downward spiral and, you know, be, being aware of it also. Um, I think um, sometimes folks have the opposite feeling. And I know you told me something, Debbie, that I was so interested in. You said for some folks, actually, depression is not the holiday time is not necessarily something that turns up depression for some people. Clinical that's right. There some studies that show
3: that uh, people who have depression can sometimes have a paradoxic effect, um, meaning that this season that's filled with hope and love and joy, strangers being um, kind, um, family or neighbors reaching out in ways that maybe they don't the other you know, 300 days of the year, um so it can often um buoy an, an individual uh, a child or adult who is struggling with depression so you know again it just reminds us that every person's experience of any kind of chronic illness is going to be unique. And for, for those who love and care or are mindful of our fellow human beings, just to, just to be aware that everybody may respond and react differently at this time of year.
2: Mm, that's a great point. Now, one of the things we know from all the research is that giving in terms of what we know now of mindfulness and turning the volume up on positive broadening experiences, that giving is a wonderful thing. We love giving. Little ones love giving. Everybody loves giving. But the question that that really gets to people is they start to confuse giving, as you say, Deb, in some of your writings with stuff. And then, How will I give? Is my gift going to be right? Or I want to give, but I don't have money. So I think thinking through stuff and giving and the kinds of things you can give might be something important.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I tell many people, I'm like very anti, you know, how much are we going to spend this, this year on gifts? I'm more like, hey, I want an experience, people, because that's going to carry yeah. me more in my heart than you know any any nice gift you give me. Um, I do think we live in such a commercial society, and for for many people, and I'm sure the panel here would would agree. Sometimes the emphasis gets lost. It should be about love and connection and, and kindness, not about things and materials and stuff. Um, but that's why I think it's it's often a good idea to kind of do a litmus test or check yourself at the beginning of the holiday season. Like, you know, are, are, my, are my goals really grounded in the reality that I like?
4: hmm And, uh, you and know... I've wondered about, I've wondered about sure. Chris's experience in, in retail around the Christmas time. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I shop there, but I'm not working there all day. And, and what kind of attitude do you? you see these sort of Black Friday... Kind of mobs
5: to get things, and it's kind of discouraging. Mm. I, I think the uh, the retail experience always, you know, brings out uh, it's like a, it's like it's like scotch. It always brings out who you really are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if if, if you're a, if you're a sweetheart ninety percent of the time, but like you know, if you can kind of be a there's a jerk lingering in there when you're when you're fighting over that last bag of green beans. That it tends to come out. Um, you know, for those who for work work in retail, and, and there is a lot a lot of them um, out there who work in retail. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's like your second family, especially during the holidays, because um, you know most people have to work right up to the holiday itself. If not working the holiday, um, mm-hmm. so there is a little bit of a pull. I mean, I experienced that, um, and my wife did too, who works in retail as well. That. Um, you know, your family wants you to be there. Um, everyone's congregating um, at, you know, at so-and-so's house, um, but you can't be there because you've got to work and you're having to work mm-hmm. long hours and you're exhausted. And then you end up, um, you know, relaxing with the people you work with after work. Uh, that tends <laughs> to be it as well.
3: Um, yeah, something's wrong with that picture.
5: It, it is. Uh, it is. That's, that's just that's the cultural expectation that we have um, for sure. So every, every single year, there was always that conversation I'd have with my dad who was, you know, coming down to stay with the aunt and uncle, you know, down the street, which was like, you know, I'd, I, I'm not going to be able to be there, but, you know, on Christmas morning, I, that's about it. That's all I can do. And, uh, mm. that was always a bummer.
3: You know, so it seems other- to be like such a competitiveness, um, with, with, you know, buying stuff. And I, I think that, um, you know, when you start to really look at that, you know, maybe you can kind of reframe what it means to you. And for some, it will mean something significant. And for others, it might mean you know, I don't really want it to be that much of of a of a piece in the holiday season. But like, it's it's a unique thing to each person. But it it is hard to hard to avoid.
2: One thing, though, Christopher mentions that I think is worth underscoring, and we could sort of flip it over, and that is, there's something that I like about the fact that. The, the workforce becomes the family because it's the old saying, love the ones you're with. In other words, if this is your reality and ordering the pizza between shifts, whether it's a hospital setting, you know, you're stocking the shelves at one in the morning in a retail store, the ability to bond with other people maybe is more important than longing to be home at that moment. That's true. Um, you know, so we have folks who are in the military. Where, wherever you are, you almost got to make it work because mm-hmm. that's what we have in life. You know, we, we have the places that we end up in. But the thing that, the other thing you brought up in that is owning what's realistic to you. Like when you said to your dad, uh, Christmas morning or whenever it was, that's about the best I can do. Then that is about the best you can do because we know that family expectations can go over the roof. Um, with holidays, and they sometimes lose the people in the shuffle. We're going to take a brief break and then let's come back and talk about some tips for dealing with that. You've been listening to Psych Up Live and we're here with Drs. Steve Hanley, Deb Serrani, and Christopher Downey, the author of Van Gogh and Peppers, A Self Portrait of Male Depression. We'll be right back.
0: Voice counts Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time.
4: Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors you can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
2: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Sarani Hanley and Christopher Scott Downey. We had just been talking about, as we've been discussing depression in the holidays and stress in the holidays, we were talking about, I I was underscoring Christopher's comment that, you know, he was working in retail and he was telling his dad, despite their wishes, the best he could do was Christmas morning to come home and share time with family. So we were facing, you know, family bonds. Sometimes I say family bonds, family binds, expectations imposed or self-imposed or other. And so we were wondering what tips can we pass on to our listeners that might soften the blow of the difficult aspects of the holidays and turn up the happiness of the holidays,
4: uh, one of the things uh, I wanted to talk about was uh, the sort of challenges of, of splitting time between families. Whether it's your in-laws or, let's say, your parents are divorced and you've got to you know, you've got to go to eighteen different Christmas parties. <laughs> um, if you're married or you're, you're with someone, I think the key is having some preemptive discussions about you know what's our plan, what's realistic. Um, let's try to simplify, you know, we're going to have to, you know, meet these uh, certain demands, but let's try to do it with, with a smile on our face and uh, not get too wrapped up um, in all the hustle and bustle because uh, it, it can just be terribly challenging to do that and enjoy it.
2: Mm-hmm. Great point. Uh, I often say when people are in intense battles about visitation and who's getting the kid for Christmas or Hanukkah that at some point the reset point is to take a look at the kid and the kid's needs and what works best for the child even if you may not see your child the whole day or that day the ability to put the child into perspective as the priority I think is a big one.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll jump on to what Steve said. Um, I, I think you can you can challenge somebody to, um, you know, create meaning in the holiday, which is, I think is the best thing you can do is how, do you, how are we creating meaning? Um, you can say, uh, you know, why don't you work at a soup kitchen? And everyone will say, okay, I, I can do that. Or you can say, you know, why don't we have a, an important preemptive conversation with the family? And everyone will say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> right. How does it go I'd work much the soup rather kitchen? work at a soup kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, if that conversation starts to happen in, in September, um, you know, these are the challenges that we face. Uh, you know, Uncle, Uncle Tom uh, tends to drink too much and ends up in the corner. And, um, you know, Aunt Marge uh, is always a little bit hysterical and micromanages, the, you know, the cooking. And all, all these issues that, that each family has, you know, start talking about them um, early um, before, they, before they come to a head, uh, I, I think, is the, is the most important thing.
2: And you, see, you hear people do this. They'll come up with a secret Santa, so everyone's just buying one gift, or they're all bringing something so no one has to do all the cooking, or they just agree to let Aunt Marge do it and just ignore her. of Some families say, don't bring anything purchased, make something, or just come play games. But I, I, I think you're so right. I think if it happens too close to the holiday, already the irritability, the fatigue, and the pressure are up. So I like your idea, Chris, of... You know, doing it when people are still able to consider different kinds of options. Mm-hmm. What What other advice would could we pass on for the holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, um, uh, all the holidays? I,
3: I have a phrase that I use a lot this time of year, and and you know, don't don't uh, don't. You can laugh if you like, but I I call it put the U in Yuletide. Nice. Um, and it's, it's about taking care of yourself first. It's like when the oxygen mask comes down, you know, when, when you're with the flight attendant and they say, you know, put yours on first before you, you know, help your child. I really believe that if, if you want to have a good holiday season, you have to make sure that self-care is at the top of the list. So make sure you eat well, you can sleep well, don't be afraid to delegate, um, don't be afraid to say no. Um, make sure that, you know, you can just really focus on your well-being because it's almost, the holiday season is almost like, you know, a really kind of short but intense mission, and you want to get through it the best way that you can. So mm-hmm. I, I like to think about, you know, being self-oriented. So mm-hmm. I, I like to put the you in Yuletide. Tide.
2: I think
4: uh, to, to Deb's uh, point, you can combine that with making new family traditions, you know. Mm-hmm stuff yourself at Christmas dinner and then, you know, go bundle up and take a walk together and Mm -hmm. make that the thing to do. Um, Exercise in and of itself, as you mentioned earlier, it tends Mm -hmm. to slide during the holidays, and it's not until after the new year that we all start with our, you know, resolutions. And in my practice, it's interesting. I, I don't get many new patient calls during this time of the year, but after the first or that first week in January, I start getting... Calls and I think people have had a, a chance to take a breath and say, okay, I, I need to address what just happened. Mm-hmm. And, yes, um, it, New Year's they is the into time. get therapy yep. and treatment, and that's, uh, that's quite helpful to them. Mm.
2: People do associate New Year's with beginnings, and they want to generally improve their health. They want to improve their weight. They want to improve their marriages. I mean, that's such a good point. I do think people reach for help more likely at that time. I was thinking about couples, and that is, and the idea of saying no, sometimes the hardest person to say no to is ourselves. And it, sometimes I've heard it play out with couples. I've uh, been caught in this myself where, you know, he or she's relaxed while the other, let's say the woman feels in addition to everything else, she must send out a thousand cards. And <clears throat> quite frankly, there's no time. Mm-hmm. And instead of being irritable, there's a few ways to go. Sometimes the partner is really helpful in saying Okay, I'll do half. Or in simply saying, do we have to do, like you say, Steve, do we have to do this this year? We see these people. What if we narrowed the list of folks we never cross paths with? Just the folks that are out of town so that you're not so overloaded. Or maybe we don't have to make every single pie. Could we just choose? one of grandma's pies, so that sometimes couples can help each other with the guilt people feel of, how could I not make the struddle? We always made the struddle. Because it becomes so much pressure. Mm-hmm. I think, I think
3: uh, going to your partner or, or discussing it as a family, like Steve and Chris have said, Um, It it can be a new way of kind of handling the tradition of the holidays. And you always, you know, you can redefine and reframe, and sometimes your partner or your family member can help you not feel so bad about not making the 18 pies or writing out all, you know, the hundreds of cards. Um, It it is a way that you can kind of redefine how you want new traditions to be, which can be very helpful.
2: Um, One woman that I was working with many, many years ago, She had just been through somewhat of an unexpected, very, very upsetting divorce. And this was going to be her first Christmas. So what she did, actually, the week before is buy a gigantic real tree. She had some young men help her set it up. And then she invited everyone of every um, denomination and every religion to come. But they had to come bring some sort of ornament, no matter what. And the way she describes that event was so joyous and so funny and such fun for many people who didn't even celebrate Christmas Mm. because everyone was involved that it became a tradition. But that first year, she literally went from, how will I do this alone without a husband and my sons to I'll open my doors to anyone who wants to share the holiday. And it was just wonderful.
3: That sounds great.
5: I I think... um you know, cre- uh, that's a great example of someone creating meaning um, when, when there isn't. I think in this time of year, we're, um you know a pl- the the capitalist, the, the capitalist meaning, you know, that the plastic Christmas is kind of shoved down our throats, and we think that it's going to be there uh, when we wake up in the morning um, because someone else is providing it for us. But it's important, to, uh, you know, it, you you have to take responsibility and say, I'm going to create the meaning. It's not going to be presented to me by by. Uh, the commercialism, uh, or the TV shows, um, or the presents, um, or the or the food, uh, or the traditions. Uh, you know, I know I have to take responsibility and create meaning for myself uh, and those around me um, this year. I think that's a big too.
2: Now, what uh, would just go ahead, Dem? No, uh, that's okay. <laughs> I was going to ask actually the three of you, what would we say to folks who really are missing a loved one that they've recently lost? What kind of Ideas would we share for them to manage this holiday time?
3: Well, I I think it's very vital for them to celebrate the memory of their loved one, um, but also to incorporate, as you mentioned earlier in the show, new ways to have them still be part of whatever holiday or religious or spiritual event is going on. Um, And, you know, to, to give permission to feel sad sadness and loss, but also to invite others to talk positively or share stories, because then this way, it's not just the mourning that is, is being experienced, but the celebratory piece of who this person is and was in your life.
2: Absolutely. it's And we really believe... You know, we, we are so complex as humans, we could have a multi-dimensional feelings. We could feel yearning and loss and even have tears for the person we're thinking of, and at the same time, be thrilled to see little ones open gifts. Mm. or be thrilled to have the rest of the family together, or to be with the friends that we love. So I don't think people have to go on one feeling will think that's the only possibility. I like what you say, Debbie. There's a celebration, and it doesn't ever exclude um, mourning or celebrating the memory of someone. Mm. Um, Christopher, have you learned anything differently about the holidays now that you have? Is it two little boys?
5: Uh, One boy, one girl.
2: Ah, lucky. Um,
5: okay. Yeah, it's a uh, you know I, I I sobered up five years ago. That was a that was a big deal. Um, you know now that I go to my family gatherings, um, I think there's you know there's, there's two of us now who are sober in the family, and, and by George, the rest of them really should should think about it. Um, you know, it's, seeing how much alcohol plays a part uh, in people's moods um, and stress levels. Um, you know, one bad hangover can can really you cause stress for a couple of days I, I see that um and then you know i ordered a half-calf it seems really simple um but if ever i'm going to you know make coffee or go out i'll either get decaf or half-calf and i can't believe what a world of difference that makes for mm. my.
2: you husband. know <laughs> chris you would be the person people say to me i don't want to drink that much or i don't want to drink <laughs> at all but i don't know what to say when everyone's going come on right so what what do you say
5: yeah once, once again, I think that's the conversation that should happen in September. you know do we
2: mm-hmm.
5: you know do we open up uh, thirty bottles of wine and leave them on the counter next to you know the four feet of, of candy and sugar um, <laughs> on the, on the counter, or are we going to say let's do things a little bit different this year um, and not just have an open bar where everyone you know just continues to you know, starts drinking at three and, and can you know drinks all the way to the night uh, and mm-hmm. you know, like have, have different traditions like Steve said, start different traditions that might uh, necessitate, you know, not drinking as much, um, like going for a walk after dinner or something like that.
2: What would you suggest to folks who feel they're going to be pushed into drinking, and how would they explain that they're having um, tonic and lime, let's say?
5: Um, yeah, I think if, gosh, I mean, if it's, if it's a situation where someone feels, um, you know, in the moment, if that's the first time it's coming up, um, you probably waited a little bit too long. It's probably going to be an uncomfortable conversation because everyone else is going to be drinking an and egg and yawn. It's just kind of the way it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would try to have that conversation um, okay. here. Yeah.
2: Okay. I want to take a moment. You, you, the three of you have given or listened to such a gift of ideas in, in, in this topic today. Now let's talk about how folks could get to you. Debbie, how could people find out the many things you have on your website and, and your books, Living with Depression and Depression and Your Child? Um, they can
3: just visit me at my website, which is com and that'll send you to all my social media and my book links and all that kind of stuff.
2: Okay. How about you, Steve? How can folks find you online? You work in Michigan. Uh, you've done writing. What's the best route for folks to find you?
5: Yeah.
4: All that can be found on my website as well, stephenjhanleyphd.com, and there's a link to my blog that I I try to write pretty regularly, and my social media sites I I try to post on all things psychology and family and relationship related.
2: Great. And Christopher, how would folks find Van Gogh and Peppers, uh, your Twitter site? How would people find you?
5: Yeah, I'm linked up. I have a, a website, Van Gogh and Peppers. Um, com And everything is accessible from there.
2: Okay. I want to thank the three of you again for the gift of this show. Um, I want to invite our listeners to tune in next week when we're going to be hearing from Dr. April Benson. She's going to be asking, are you a holiday shopper or a compulsive shopper? Is your shopping an addiction? Tune in. Remember to drop me a comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail dot com. Tweet me at Healing for Couples, and you can find all these shows on iTunes. Go to Voice America, Suzanne Phillips Psych Up Live. Until next week, please take care. Thanks, and be listening.